Wow, God is amazing. Can I have a witness on that? Wow. If you're a guest with us, welcome again. Again, if you're a guest, please put your guest card in the offering as it comes by. Gives us a little information about you. You just got a lot of information about us just now. We're raising up radical, passionate, aggressive lovers of God here who will worship him for all he is worth. Can I have an amen on that? Amen. amen. Let's pray. Father, in the name of Jesus, as we get into your word, I thank you, God, that you are going to do some radical stuff inside of us today. Lord, we ask right now that you would do radical stuff in our head and our heart. That, Lord, you would take the word of God and the truth that you're trying to, I shouldn't even say trying, the truth that you are declaring. And I thank you, God, that it falls on great soil in our hearts. And that soil is going to produce just an amazing, amazing stuff inside of us. So, Lord, we honor your word. We reverence you this morning. We say we love you and we honor you in the powerful name of Jesus. Thank you, Lord. Amen. Amen. As we're diving into our mission statement as a church and why, why we exist, uh, I've been getting some reports back on some neat stuff. And I'm gonna, I just want to encourage us all to continue to mine, to call forth uh, all this stuff that's inside of us. You know, everything, if you're born again today, if you've asked Christ in your life, everything you need has already been deposited in you. It's just calling it forth and bringing that gold that is inside of you, the very Christ, the very, very DNA of Jesus that's in you and bringing it forth, amen? And so you, you lack nothing is the truth. <laughs> it's just a matter of walking it out and bringing that which is in you forth. Amen. So we're doing that. But I just wanted to share a couple emails that I got this week uh, from several of you and um, things that are adding to as we're talking about this, uh, that we are raising up radical, passionate, aggressive lovers of God and people from the next generation. Um, there's some things that I think uh, if, as I share this morning, are going to help us paint the picture that Jesus is wanting to paint on what you and I are supposed to look like. Amen? And what we're supposed to be. And so this first email, it's entitled, Loving Deeply. Um, this is, I'm just going to read it. The truth is that the more intimately you know someone, the more clearly you'll see their flaws. I'll repeat that. The truth is that the more intimately you know someone, the more clearly you'll see their flaws. That's just the way it is. This is why marriages fail, why children are abandoned, why friendships don't last. You might think you love someone until you see the way they act when they are out of money or under pressure or hungry. For goodness sake, love is something different. Love is choosing to serve someone and to be with someone in spite of their filthy heart. Love is patient and kind. Love is deliberate. Love is hard. Love is pain and sacrifice. It's seeing the darkness in another person and defying the impulse to jump ship. Love is hard. Love is pain. Love is sacrifice. It's seeing the darkness in another person. And defying the impulse 
to jump ship. Has anybody ever jumped ship? I've done it. We've all done it. Here's another email I received this week. Dear Pastor Eric, I really enjoyed your message yesterday. It is just what the Bible teaches. It was such truth and so refreshing, I could not help but think about the cross of foster care. As a missionary and foster mom, I have seen the great need in foreign lands and right here in our community. We don't have hungry, maybe, but we do have lonely, abandoned children. Just last week, I received an emergency phone call for an 11-year-old and a 13-year-old sibling group. Their mom refused to leave her dangerous boyfriend and said, Ah, just come take the kids. This is what I received on my voicemail. As I prayed about it, I knew it was not something that I could do at this time, but my heart broke for these children. I could not help but think, where are the empty nesters and the Christians who could love these children in this time of tragedy? See, I cannot do it all, but we can all do something. I don't think foster care is necessarily the call of every believer, but I can't deny what James said, to care for orphans and widows in their distress. I am positive those children were in distress that night. And who knows where they ended up. If no one took them, then they most likely ended up in a juvenile detention center. Not because they did anything wrong. I just wanted to share this because foster care is sacrificial love. You won't get anything back, and it will hurt. But Jesus is so close to those who are brokenhearted, and I want to be in the middle of the mess because I believe that is where Jesus would be. Thank you again for bringing truth. Amen. Sacrificial love. Anybody want to love sacrificially? Amen. God's good, isn't he? And so we've been on this journey of what is radical, passionate, aggressive lovers of God? I know on Facebook, maybe, maybe some of you heard this week, Rob Simmons was, uh, um, well, I'll just have Rob. Rob, come on up here just briefly and share what took place in your heart. And as God, Alger, if you don't mind giving him the mic, just let Rob share so everybody can hear it. I don't know if you saw his Facebook post, but uh, I'm going to let him bring the details. He can share it better, how God was convicting him to radically love. And so go ahead, Rob, share what, what took place in your heart this week. Well, thanks, Eric. Did anybody see, happen to see that Facebook post? It wasn't by me. It was by a, a lady named Dawn uh, in, a, in a group called Citizens for Henry County. Anybody see that? It was only up for a couple hours, but it eventually became, it got taken down. <laughs> and uh, anyway, um, she had made a post about after seeing an ad that we had, Tom and I had put together for, uh, in the Great Deals magazine for, um, it was an ad, ad for the church. And had our mission statement in there, and she had posted on there that uh, well, this sh this maybe should be illegal. This <laughs> this ad should be illegal because it was talking about being radical, and and aggressive, and um, and uh, serving sacrificially. You know, it sounded like Kool Aid. You know, and Jim Jones and, and all this. And, and uh, so, uh, anyway, after she posted it, there was a huge outpouring of responses, saying, "You don't know these people <laughs> because they're they're the most loving." Uh, people and serving people in, in our entire community and, and she couldn't get anybody to agree with her except for one one lady who was an atheist who <laughs> <laughs> who was agreeing with her 
but what it was cool because uh, and this this other lady's Facebook name was Dream Smasher, which was kind of funny. <laughs> uh, but uh, so anyway, uh, after uh, 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 in Mike's evangelism class, he challenged us to reach out to somebody, and um, then after last week, after during Eric's message, I really felt like God was telling me to reach out to her and to, um, to, to invite to meet her. So I sent her a Facebook message and, and said, I'm the guy that puts together that magazine and also attend that church that you talked about. Could we meet over at the Cafe Royal? And, uh, <laughs> and she agreed. So, so we actually, after back and forth a couple of times, we met yesterday uh, afternoon at the cafe and uh, had a great conversation. It was, it was great. Turns out she is, she is a Christian. She came with her husband and... Um, we just talked talked about her her side of it was you know just in today's society you got to be careful about how you say things, and and I just told her we talked about what it really means to to uh, to uh, be a be in a what is it not passive, <laughs> not, not passive <laughs> not passive yeah to be an aggressive. not even passive aggressive be an aggressive <laughs> lover of God and what it means to serve sacrificially, and um, it was just a great conversation and and. Uh, she actually told me, and I hadn't told anybody this yet, but the, the Dream Smasher girl actually also did a friend request to her after this whole thing happened and said that, you know, that really sounds like a great church. I'd like to come and visit it. <laughs> <laughs> so the next person I'm reaching out to is going to be this one. So, um, so that'll be cool. And then the other thing was, oh, and I hadn't told anybody this either. Uh, her husband was there, and she was talking a lot about when she turned her life around for, for the Lord uh, after a heart attack. Uh, but her husband was, was sitting there with us, and he was really quiet. And, and eventually, I, I, I was trying to find out, you know, if he was Christian, and he wasn't really, didn't seem quite sure. So we went through Romans 10, 9, and 10, and, and he confessed while we were sitting there. He confessed Jesus is Lord. <laughs> and, yeah, said that he believed in his heart that God raised him from the dead. And I don't know if he was or had already been a Christian or not, but, but he confessed it right there. And so we, we sat there, and we prayed, and it was awesome. And... It was really, it was just really cool. Amen. Praise God. Thank you, Rob. Thank you for loving well and going towards them and not away from them. Pursuing relationship instead of withdrawing. Amen. So let's read again our uh, mission statement. If we could have the PowerPoint start up. So uh, if you guys could stay with, stay with some gusto with me. We are raising up radical passionate, aggressive lovers of God and people from the next generation who will love deeply, serve sacrificially, speak truthfully, live holy, and go globally in the supernatural power and presence of the Holy Spirit, calling all people to confess Jesus Christ as Lord and Savior. Everybody say amen. Yes. Okay, so you radical, passionate, aggressive lovers of God, we've talked about becoming radical lovers of God, we've talked about re becoming radical lovers of each other, and so today I'm going to go a little further in taking and stretching our love. So today's going to be a day where I believe Jesus is going to even up the ante. How's that sound? You guys cool with that? You know, it's amazing where Jesus, when he talks in the Word, he talks in the Bible, and he talks about, he, he, he takes a truth or a command, and then he adds to it. It's almost like he takes the expectation 
and the command. And then he says, but I say this. And so he says things like, you know, well, Moses, he allowed divorce because your heart was hard. But he says, I say that God hates divorce. And that the only permissible reason for divorce is for marital unfaithfulness. Jesus says stuff like, if you want to be my disciple, sell everything that you have and give it to the poor. Jesus says things like, wow, if you really want to love me, you must hate your father, your mother, your brother, your sister, your children, and come follow me. Wow, Jesus, you're really pushing the envelope there. Hate, and some of us are going through the radical class, and we've been a, we, we were hit with that last week. And this week, we're going to go into the radical class, even going further. And wow, he didn't mean to hate them. He meant you need to love less than the Lord. But Jesus says some pretty radical things. I mean, he even says, you know, you need to eat my body and drink my, fl- my blood. You know, and a bunch of people went like, dude, you are whacked out. You are Jim Jones Jr. And many turned away from the faith. Because what he was saying is, I want wholehearted devotion. I want you all in. It's like when Rachel Platt shared last year, and she said, man, the Lord's just putting on me. I got I to gotta put the, all the chips on the table. I'm all in in the poker game. I'm going for it all. I'm giving it all. I'm not going to have any idols. I'm not going to have anything that holds me back. I'm all in. And Jesus always is upping. I mean, there's just one thing after another in the Word of God. And so today what we're going to do is we're going to go to Luke chapter 6, if you have your Bibles. And we're going to start in verse 27. And we're going to start breaking down the Word of God as Jesus again takes it a little further for us. And he is going to challenge us a little more with the scriptures. And uh, we're going to see what he has to say. Because Jesus is really, he's putting it to us. Now, what I want to do is I want to read the scripture. If you don't have a Bible with you, I'm not going to put it up on the screen yet, okay? If you have a Bible, you can follow with me. If you don't have a Bible, just close your eyes. And I want you to hear the words of Jesus as if it were the first time and he's speaking to you about how you should love. Because we're going to move not only from loving God and loving each other and our brothers and sisters in Christ, but now Jesus has taken it another step higher. And oh boy, we got to get our love on. You guys ready for that? Okay, so we're going to read out of Luke chapter 6, verse 27 through 36. Again, if you don't have your Bible... Just close your eyes and listen to these words. Jesus said, love your enemies. Do good to those who hate you. Bless those who curse you. Pray for those who mistreat you. If anyone strikes you on one cheek, turn to him the other. If someone takes your cloak, do not stop him from taking your tunic. Give to everyone who asks you, and if anyone takes... What belongs to you, do not demand it back. If you love those who love you, what credit is that to you? Even sinners love those who love them. And if you do good to those who do good to you, what credit is that to you? Even sinners do that. 
And if you lend to those from whom you expect repayment, what credit is that to you? Even sinners lend to sinners expecting to be repaid in full. But love your enemies. Do good to them and lend to them without expecting to get anything back. Then your reward will be great. And you will be sons of the Most High because he, because he is kind to the ungrateful and he is kind to the wicked. Be merciful just as your Father is merciful. May God add his blessing to the reading of his word. Amen. Amen. Whoa, whoa. Jesus, you're just pushing the envelope a little too far here. Love your enemies is what we're going to talk about today. You guys cool with that? Are y'all cool with that? Okay. So, this first verse, verse 27 says, Love your enemies, do good to those who hate you, bless those who curse you, pray for those who mistreat you. Who is Jesus talking about when he says your enemy? Is he talking about my mother-in-law? I'll just let you know my mother-in-law is not my enemy. She may be yours. Is it the neighbor beside me who has a property line dispute with me or doesn't take care of their property quite as nice as I wish they would? Well, if you do an exegesis study of the passage, you have to ask several questions. And what we're going to do is we're going to break this scripture down a little bit. And we're going to ask some questions. Because... Really, this scripture means a whole lot more than what we think it does. And so what we're going to do is we're going to ask, number one, who is Jesus speaking of as an enemy? What was the original audience that, that he was speaking to? Who was the people he was preaching at at the Sermon on the Mount? Because this is his sermon, and thousands of people had gathered, and he was preaching to people, many who were not converted yet, and he is teaching a very, very difficult message. So who is it he's speaking to? The other thing is, what do the words mean in the Greek language of those people at that time? And how would they have understood what he was saying? Because as we understand what they were, they were getting from him, it then can be put in context to how that affects you and what it means to you to love the way he was asking them to love as we put it within their culture, as we put it within their language, as we put it within that situation, okay? So that's what we're going to do today. We're going to take this and we're going to really bring it into our modern day world of the United States of America. How's that sound to you guys? So, I ask again the question of who he was speaking of when it comes to enemy. Now, the Greek word for enemy there is the word ekthros in the Greek, and this literally means in that word, it literally means someone openly hostile with deep-seated hatred who wants to inflict harm on you. Now, my mom-in-law doesn't want to inflict massive harm on me. Okay, thank goodness. My mother-in-law loves me. And so, we're talking about something that has a significant, the word here, enemy. We're talking about when he's talking to the group here, and he's preaching at the mountain, he's talking about 
someone, an enemy who hates you. He wants to do harm to you. And he's saying, you guys love them, okay? And so who would, of the first century Palestine people, who would have they thought, who would have they thought their enemies would have been? Okay, why the Romans? They were under Roman occupation, right? Very good answer. That's one of them. The Romans were harsh. They had crucified many, matter of fact, about 40 years prior to this, this the Romans had, had literally crucified about 2,000 Jews on a cross. So yeah, Romans would have been thought of as enemies. Who else would have been thought of enemy, enemy, enemies? How about Egypt? Egypt, they had been in bondage for 400 years and been set free, but they remembered what they went through. Even during the Maccabean era, era which is about 100 years prior to this, they had slaughtered 40,000 Israelites and put many more in slavery just 100 years prior to this. So when he's talking to this crowd on this mountaintop, he's talking to, to them and saying, guys, love your enemies that just slaughtered your women and children. That's what's going on in their brain as they're sitting ready to have lunch here in a few minutes. I don't think you have a clue what enemy is in America. We live in a land that is peaceful, that doesn't see war on this land. You don't have to worry about when you go to work tomorrow if your children are going to be safe when they're at school. For the most part. Now, our culture's changing, yes, I realize that. But the first people in this first century of Palestine, they would have remembered all that had taken place in their lives. Are you with me? They would have remembered Babylon, Babylon and the 70 years that they spent in slavery and cruelty. You with me? And so this place was not foreign to war. This place was not foreign to enemies. And so it's really hard for us to really grasp that because our culture is a lot differently. A lot different, excuse me. Right? So who Jesus is really talking to and what he's saying is Jesus is saying, hey, love those guys that have murdered and tortured your children. Hey, hey guys, I'm taking it up another notch. Not just brother, love your brothers in Christ. Not just love your neighbor. I'm saying now, love your enemy. Is that any hard for anybody else besides me? And then he goes further and he says, if your enemy strikes you on one cheek, I'll do this cheek. I think he was talking about this cheek. Turn to him the other. If someone takes your cloak, your enemy, don't stop him from taking your tunic. Give to everyone who asks you. And if anyone takes what belongs to you, do not demand it back. Well, Jesus was just talking hypothetically here. The real, real meaning of this was, how do we want to justify it away? These are hard words for anybody. Isn't it hard for you? 
And then he says, if you love those who love you, what credit is that to you, Chad? Because Chad, even sinners love those who love them. And Alger, if, if you do good to those who do good to you, Alger, what credit is that to you, Alger? Even sinners know how to do that. Credit. Back here just a second. So Jesus is talking about what credit is that to you, Chad? He's saying there's no credit. There's no reward for you when you love those who love you back. What reward is he talking about? That if I love my wife's pretty doggone easy to love. And she loves me back. So what does this word credit mean? It's the word charis, where we get our word charismatic from. Thank, grace, gift, reward. That you won't, if you love the way the world does or the way the sinners do, there's no reward for you. There's no grace for you. There's no thanks for what you're doing in heaven. There's no reward there for you because you've already gotten it here, in essence. But here's the, the big one I thought really got me. is This is especially the divine influence upon the heart. That until you start tapping into the supernatural power of God in his ability to make you love like that, there's no influence upon your heart. Amen. Especially the divine influence upon the heart. That what changes my heart what brings the divine influence is when I make a demand on the power of God in me to love sacrificially, to love those who hate me, something divinely happens to give me the power to love that way when I make a demand on it. You're going, it's going to make sense here in a second. That I'm to respond to my enemies who are bent on hurting me, I'm to love them, I'm to pray for them, I'm to do good to them. To refuse to respond to them with violence, then you will be children of God. Wow. Let's go on. Does that make anybody want to say, oh Jesus, I can't do that? You guys are awful quiet. We don't love this way. I don't love this way. But the Bible says, walk this way. Walk this way. And so it goes further in verse 34. And if you lend to those from whom you expect repayment, what credit is that to you? Even sinners lend to sinners expecting to be repaid in full. But, Jesus says, but... 
love your enemies. Do good to them and lend to them without expecting to get anything back. Man, that is so contrary to our love language. Just like the email I got for fostering children. You may not get anything back. They may rebel against you. They may despise you because they don't want to be fathered by you or mothered by you. They want their mom and their dad. They want their natural family. And you may get nothing in return for loving that way. Again, Jesus emphasizes loving to get nothing back. He says, then your reward will be great. Anybody want a great reward? See, we want a great reward without any sacrifice. See, we want a great reward without surrender. We want a great reward without having to do anything. I'm there. We would much rather be the, the chicken making breakfast and give an egg than to be the pig who has to die in order to give the bacon. Dang. We got a lot of chickens in the body of Christ. They'd much rather poop out an egg <laughs> than to sacrifice their life for the meal. I don't want to be the bacon. I'm just saying, man, the other pig's in here. <laughs> Jesus, you're going just a little too far when you're asking me to love my enemies. Jesus, you're going just a little too far. You can't really mean that. Let me cluck out an egg. Let Alger do the bacon. Let Brian, who's raising pigs, let him raise the bacon. So sometimes we want the reward of the kingdom of heaven, but we don't want to go in the way he wants us to go. Even today, the Spirit of God moved powerfully about us laying down idols. And some of our idols is, some of the idols that we carry, are one of the idols is just an easy life. I have an idol. I want things to be easy and just so-so. Anybody else? Then your reward will be great, and you will be sons of the Most High, because God is kind to the ungrateful and wicked. Gosh, that wrecked me when I read that this week. God is, he is, he is merciful, and he loves the ungrateful and the wicked. And so he says, hey, church, if you want to look like me, be merciful, just as your father is merciful. Be kind, just as your father is kind. Love the ungrateful. Love the wicked. Love the one who hates you. You see, Jesus, his enemies killed him.
Paul writes even later in the word, he says, if your enemies are hungry, feed them. If they are thirsty, give them something to drink. Do not repay evil for evil. Never avenge yourself. So what is the context of this scripture for us today? Who are our enemies? Yes, I do believe they can be your neighbor, and I do believe they can be your mother-in-law, but I think it's much bigger than that. I think it's really petty that you can't get along with your mother-in-law, to be honest with you. If you really want to know, just like grow up. Honor and love your parents. Love and honor your neighbor. It's really not that difficult to love your neighbor and to put them before yourself. But in the context of what Jesus was really communicating here, what he was saying was love ISIS. Love Iran. Love North Korea. Love those who are despising the gospel of Jesus Christ. He's saying, love those who are wanting to take you down. That's really the context of the scripture. He's saying, if you're going to be a radical, passionate, aggressive lovers of God, you're going to lay down your life for those who hate you. Which, which gets into our mission statement later about going globally. That there are going to be some people in this church who are called to go globally into hostile territory. I can remember when, when my son was going to Russia and they were having the conflict in Crimea, Crimea or however you say it, that wasn't all that far from Russia. And my mother-in-law and my father-in-law start getting a panic attack. Joel shouldn't be going there. It is not safe. What are you doing? I mean, they wanted me, okay, who do you contact? What's the telephone number? I mean, because the war zone was very, very close to Kalmukia. We may lose our sons and daughters. Shoot, God have mercy. If our children are called to the nations, they may pay a high price. And we may pay a high price if we're going to love like that. You know, I've got a story about Corey Tidden Boone. Anybody know who Corey Tidden Boone is? Wonderful woman of God. Wonderful woman of God. And she was in World War II, and Germany was just rolling over Holland. And it was taking people in Holland, and they were trying to take the Jews, and they were taking the Jews to concentration camps. And her and her family, they literally took on the cause for the Jewish people. And they, they loved God's people. And they said, we're going to save them. And so they made a false room inside their house, a brick wall. And they would put Jews behind the wall to save Jews, to save God's people. And it was at a very, very high cost. Because they finally figured out that they were hiding them out there. And they put her in prison. They stripped her naked. They did all kinds of stuff to her to get information. How are you saving these Jews? They abused her. She went through all kinds of junk. Her and her sister. Her sister dies in jail with her. And her sister dies praying for their enemies. God, help them. God, reach our enemy. God, help our enemies. 
And at the end of her life, and she's preaching in a, in a church in Europe, and she gets done with her message and the salvation call and all this testimony after she survived the concentration camp. She survived this whole situation with many, many scars emotionally and physically. And she gets done preaching a message and a man comes up to her and she starts to freak out because it's one of the guards that abused her. And he reaches out his hand to shake her hand and say, thank you that we are all forgiven through grace in Christ. And she couldn't shake his hand at first because she was remembering all that he had done to her. And he thanked her and said, thank you for loving me in prison. I was a miserable man. And he had come to know Jesus Christ as Savior. And he came and he said, will you forgive? what I did to you and your people. That's amazing. But it was because of the love when she was in prison. It was the loving of her enemies. Can I have a witness? See, our enemy's a little different. And we want to make it petty and we want to make it our neighbor, our mother-in-law. It's much bigger than that. Because what God's trying to do in a people in this city and in this nation, he is trying to make us, again, passionate lovers of God who love radically, who love and sacrifice sacrificially. That's a different kind of love than I'm walking in. How about you? No one's banging down the doors at New Covenant to take a mission trip into an unpeached people reach people group. We're going to have the, the folks that go to Kalmukia here the 21st of February. Again, missionaries who are going to Kalmukia in southern Russia. We're supporting that work. We're, we're pouring money from this church into that work. Three years ago, they, try, they went into the nation. And, you know, Joel went, Mike Brown went. They started preaching the gospel. They did stuff on the, on the worship on the streets and everything. There's now three churches in Kalmukia. There's now 200 believers in Kalmukia as a result of radical lovers going into a Buddhist situation. Radical love. Radical love. Love your enemies. Be merciful just as your Father in heaven is merciful. Is this bearing witness with anybody's heart? But here's the truth of the gospel. Corey Tin Boone, when she was in prison, she could not love her enemies without having the power of the Holy Spirit. You cannot love that way without having a supernatural experience with the Holy Ghost. You cannot have that kind of love in your own strength. We have to mind this, guys. We have to have the power of the Holy Spirit working in our life. We have to make demands on our love. We have to love the unlovable here if we're ever going to love the unlovable there. Get these on. 
got some bling on them. Bear with me. They're carrying the wine grove. So if you see me with bling, it's okay. Going back to Corey Tin Boone. Standing there before the former SS man, Corey remembered that forgiveness is an act of the will, not an emotion. Jesus, help me, Corey prayed. I can lift my hand to shake his hand. I can do that much. But God, you're going to have to supply the feeling. Corey thrust out her hand, and as she did, an incredible thing took place. The current of electricity started through my shoulder, raced down my arm, sprang into, uh, into the joints of my hands, and then this healing warmth seemed to flood my whole being, bringing tears to my eyes as I said, I forgive you. I cried with all my heart. For a long moment, we grasped each other's hands, the former guard and the former prisoner. I had never known God's love so intensely as I did then when I made a demand on love. When she made a demand on love. She had to make a demand on it. She had to call it forth. She had to go out of faith. I can't do this in my own strength. But even so, I realized it was not my love. I had tried. I had tried in my own power. And I had no power in myself. It was the power of the Holy Spirit when I made the demand on love. But see, here's what we do is we don't make the demand on love. Because just like the first thing I read when we first started the message, we jump ship. When it gets tough, the people in America don't get tough. When it gets tough in America, we quit. We jump ship. We don't make the demand on love and love in difficult situations. We just walk away. We withdraw. And so our love muscle never gets worked out. We never begin to love the way Jesus loves because we don't make the demand and we don't walk in faith. To believe that the power of God will be there with me. That though I can't love like that in my own strength, that through the power of the Holy Spirit, I can love that way. And I can call on heaven. And I can make a step of faith and say, I will love that way even though I don't feel it. That the Holy Spirit will meet me there. Because I can't do that in my own strength. Can I have an amen on that? couple other examples and then we'll oh my gosh it's 20 after 12 <sighs> wow where did time go father give children's ministry workers sacrificial love right now God God help them 
God give them supernatural power and love and sacrifice right now just for a few more minutes. Can we believe for that? Do you think they can? Switch the roles, right? Here's a modern day enemy. Love your enemy. Who knows Chick-fil-A? Dan Cathy, Chick-fil-A CEO, became the latest big Man, you need to make these things print. Print large, you know? He became the latest big-name example of someone who took this command seriously of love your enemies, initiating a conversation with an ultimately, an ultimately befriending an LGBT, lesbian, gay, bisexual, transgender activist. Last summer, a heated controversy erupted over Kathy's refusal to support gay marriage. As expected, many of us retreated to our pre-existing trenches. We declared whether or not we would ever eat at Chick-fil-A again or not. We stood by the restaurant in appreciation or some boycotted the restaurant because of their position. And we did what we do good, opposing our enemies. While we were busy fighting, Kathy slipped unnoticed into potentially hostile territory, but not for a counterattack. Campus Pride director, gay activist, and openly gay man, Shane Windmeyer, came out as Kathy's friend in an article he wrote for Huntington Post last month, describing how Kathy had reached out to hear more about the lesbian and gay and bisexual and transgender concerns regarding his company. In the midst of this unprecedented dialogue, Winmeyer writes, Dan expressed a sincere interest in my life, wanting to get to know me on a personal level. He wanted to know about where I grew up, my faith, my family, even my husband, Tom. In return, I learned about his wife and his kids, and I gained an appreciation for his devout belief in Jesus Christ and his commitment to being a follower of Christ more than a Christian. Dan expressed regret and genuine sadness when he heard of people being treated unkindly in the name of Chick-fil-A. But he offered no apologies for his genuine beliefs about marriage. Kathy's surprising approach of loving his enemy, enemy gives us permission to question our default responses. Each one of us have default responses. Have we ever genuinely tried to love our enemies? What does Kathy understand that we might be missing? What made him stretch out the, across the divide to initiate a friendship with a man who publicly criticized him and organized boycotts against Chick-fil-A? Love your enemies. I'm going to let this last video be what summarizes my message because I'm really trying to paint pictures through Corey Ten Boom's life, through the guy from Chick-fil-A, and even this video of what it means to love our enemies. Now, this clip that you're getting ready to watch is a real story. This really happened. And it's in World War II, and the Allied forces 
had been captured and they had been put in a concentration camp. And Japan was not abiding by the rules of imprisonment for POWs. And these guys had been starved, they had been tortured, and they were forcing them to build a railroad through the Burmese jungle in order to get Japanese supplies to the war. And so in this video, all of a sudden, they come into this situation where they're, in, they're, they're having to make a decision on what they're going to do with their enemies. And we'll roll this video. Go ahead, guys. An enemy location was also hit nearby. The wounded had abandoned their posts looking for help. Their arrival at our camp would compel us to make the most important decision of our lives, a decision that would defy the Bushido code of honor and shame. Captain Gordon, I forbid you to give comfort and aid to the enemy. Major, those are wounded, dying human beings. They're no harm to us. Help me get back to your own men. Someone please get me some water. Could someone please get me some water?
Jesus said, love your enemies. Do good to those who hate you. Bless those who curse you. Pray, pray, pray for those who mistreat you. If anyone strikes you on one cheek, turn to him the other. If someone takes your cloak, do not stop him from taking your tunic. Give to everyone who asks you. And if anyone takes what belongs to you, do not demand it back. If you love those who love you, what credit is that to you? Even sinners love those who love them. And if you do good to those who do good to you, what credit is that to you? Even sinners know how to do that. And if you lend to those from whom you expect repayment, what credit is that to you? Even sinners lend to sinners, expecting to be repaid in full. But Jesus said, but first I want you to know but love your enemies. Do good to those. And lend to them without expecting to get anything back. Then, my friends, your reward will be great. And you will be called sons of the Most High God. Because our God is kind to the ungrateful and the wicked. Be merciful just as your Father is merciful. Let us pray. Father, in the name of Jesus, I ask that you would do a work in our hearts. We realize that this kind of love is impossible in ourselves. But we need the supernatural and presence of the Holy Spirit to empower us to love like that. Lord, would you put a desire in each of our hearts to love like that? As you've painted a picture for us today, God, of how you're calling us to be radical, passionate, aggressive lovers. You're taking us to even a higher level. You're really stretching us, God, to love even at a higher level. To where the lost and those who hate us, you want us to love. you convict my heart and the hearts of this people not to beat ourselves not to shame ourselves not to guilt ourselves but to begin to ask you this week to awaken that kind of love I'm asking you God would you begin to awaken that kind of love in my heart would you just ask him right just get personal with the Lord. Say, awaken love. Ask Him, awaken love in me. Awaken sacrificial love that can't even give back to me, but actually may want to harm me. 
to the lost, to the hurting. Lord, would you begin to do a work of the power of the Holy Spirit in us. Holy Spirit, you are our force and our power. And we're going to start making a demand on that love, God. We're going to start loving that way. We're going to start stretching those muscles. Because, God, you're calling this church. You're calling us to radical, passionate, aggressive love that has no borders, that has no conditions, that has no limits. has no preserving of self but has one of laying down self for the needs of others Lord I know you're convicting our hearts I know you've been busy all week jacking with us and I say oh God we give you the permission to jack more (laughs) can I have a witness on that will you allow the spirit of God to work with you this week would you go home and take Luke 6 And begin to say, oh God, I'm going to read this scripture over and over and over. And as I read it, God, get it in my spirit. Make me a radical lover of my enemies. Help me to go beyond my mother-in-law. Help me to go beyond the difficult people in my life. Or my boss. Or how they treat me at work. God, help us to go beyond loving so simply to loving deeply in the powerful name of Jesus Christ. Thank you, Lord. And we say yes and yes and amen. By saying amen, you're saying, so be it in me. Amen. So be it in me. In Jesus' name. Amen. I pray this week Take the word of God. Take Luke 6. Get in it. Ask the Lord to deal with your heart. And watch what he'll do. He'll give you the power of the Spirit to love in a more powerful way. Amen. Have a blessed week. We love you in Jesus' name. Amen. And tell the children's ministry workers, as you parents go pick them up right now, tell them thank you. Tell them thank you for sacrificing and loving deeply. Amen. Amen.